We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. I am excited to have my parents with me today. I don't know if you have your family with you. Welcome if you're just visiting with us and you're with your family today. Thanks for coming. Um, Today is uh, Father's Day, but also for wives, often it's National Nudge Your Husband in the Ribs Day during the sermon. And um, so you're not allowed to do that, ladies. If you have a lady next to you, um, you could, you could, you could, Get, get away from them if you want to take a seat b- between you. There's not enough room in the room. But today we honor our fathers, grandfathers, uncles, um, all the men who fill such important roles in our lives, in our families, in this church. In 1966, um, Lyndon Johnson, is that his first name? Lyndon Johnson. I wasn't around then, but he declared the third Sunday of every June to be Father's Day. And um, I guess that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Lyndon Johnson. There is something special about a dad, and especially when his kids are with him at church. My son, Jaden, all he does if he's ever with me in church is falls asleep. But um, I heard about a kid who was sitting with his dad on Father's Day in church, and the offering plate was approaching, and he said, Dad, don't pay for me. I'm under five. Then I heard about a little girl who walked out of service after it was all over. It wasn't at our church, all right? And said to the pastor, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. The pastor said, well, thanks. Thanks, dear. Uh, Why would you do that? She said, because my dad says you are the poorest preacher he's ever heard. (laughs) So um, that was probably a different week when you came to this church. Now, whether you look at today as a peace offering to your family to show up to church or you look at it as a joy and worship to be here in God's presence. Today, the, um, I want to take a few moments and um, share with you some things that God had put on my heart. And I do mean a few moments. This is my gift to all the dads. You like it short and sweet, and I'll make sure that it is so that you get, at, get, get home and get to your, there's hardly any sports right now, is there? Almost everything's over except baseball. But um, whether you, um, I want to take a few moments and talk about what my dad instilled in me growing up. In turn, that is kind of who I've become, and it's kind of uh, become who who we are as a church in a lot of ways because we we are sometimes a product of who who raised us. And um, I ask my father not to cry. He cries a lot when we talk. So it's not supposed to be a crying moment. It's just a celebration uh, and a celebration of what God's done in my life. Um, Interestingly, the word father, um, it means um, founder. You know, it means founder. It means foundation. It it means um, to author, to author something, to father something. Many of you have father figures and stepdads and uncles and even birth dads who you would say they didn't author nothing in my life. They didn't foundation. They're no foundation for me. They're no founder. I don't call them even a founder in my life. And um, that's unfortunate. But today I want to make a point that wherever you come from doesn't have to completely define who you are. 
right? That's an that's a easy one to amen to. Whatever you come from doesn't necessarily have to define who you are. Now, that doesn't mean that your past, and it doesn't mean that your earthly father uh, didn't play an integral part in your life and is not important. Because good or bad, listen to this, all of our lives, all of our life is woven together is a fabric. We need it all. We need all of it to be who we are today. Who you are becoming is not all because of all the good stuff that happened. Oh, remember this good time or this good time. Who you are becoming is not because of all of the good times, although those help, right? That's the probably, which is too bad, but it's the way it is. The bad times actually help us become uh, who I am. I'm say say I'm 26 years old, but may, maybe spiritually I'm 896 because of what I've gone through. I know I talked to someone today who who their first um, 500 days of their kid's life they were in the hospital with their kid, and their their other one their other child died uh, like 80 days in. It was a, it was they were twins, and you would say hmm. So what does that have to do with uh, you, God, being perfect in all your ways, right? But um, all those things make us who we are, and I'm sure that that man of God is um, a little bit closer to God than a lot of us. When you say, oh, man, you, you don't know what I went through this week. I lost my Wi-Fi on my house. It's terrible. You know, we go through it. We realize there's some deeper, deeper things going on. Um, Psalm 78 says this. I don't think, I think I might have told you Psalm 87, but... If you have a Bible today, look at Psalm 78, or, or you can um, look on the screen. It's a great Bible verse for, for fathers, for sons. Everybody listen and, as, as we read this together. Psalm 78, verse 5 through 7. <clears throat> he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would be forgotten and never know jesus no so the next generation would know them that's what we want right that is our goal that our next generation would know the statutes would know who god is even the children yet to be born and they in turn would tell their children you know there's a stat that when i was growing up that there was like uh 56% of the population would uh, be churched or know Jesus. Um, the, the stat is all the way down to 4% in this generation that will know Jesus because they never heard of him. Their parents never told them. Their parents barely know him. So then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his, what he's done, all the good deeds, but would keep his commands the way this usually reads is that our kids or the next generation, they know all the bad stuff or they think all the bad stuff that someone told them about God. And so they don't, they don't know his deeds. They, they, they don't know the good of God. And they don't keep his commands because why would they when what they've heard about God is true? That's kind of like a separate sermon, but I just felt like it's, it's our responsibility, my, my friends. Before we, um, before we go on, I want to introduce my dad. I already introduced him, so there you are. He's there. Obviously, you see that I am blessed. He's, a, he's been a wonderful father in my life. And I want to take a few 
of the things my dad taught me that I feel are important for all of us in establishing a solid foundation in Jesus. Well, I already have a solid foundation. I don't need to hear this. We can all benefit from being reminded about certain aspects, values, principles that help us to have a solid foundation in Jesus. I know it's a little warm today, and, and if you want to do this, you can. Um, we're working on it. I don't fix the air condition. I just tell talk to the businesses that fix it, and they're having some issues on our roof. They have to cut open a place, and they don't know a way to do it without messing up something in the roof. I don't know. We're renting this place, so that's what we're dealing with, and I'm sorry, but um, but life is tough in Africa right now. I'm sure it's hotter there, so so get over it. Um, um, these reminders to you are will help you in your pursuit. Here, I'm going to bring it all together about what we've been talking about, and our pursuit to create an atmosphere of worship in our workplace, in our families, in our homes, in the places that we go. And the number one is this. And you should write these down if you have a pen. Um, you'll see that they're awfully simplified, but they're, um, they're very important. This is the first one. He taught me Jesus first. Jesus first. Seems simple enough, but we often put Jesus second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth in our life. I don't remember very many mornings where he wouldn't eat his breakfast, his grape nuts, or his eggs, and um, not spend some time with Jesus before he ate. And I would kind of look at it, and I didn't question. I knew that he just, I knew where his priority lay. It was Jesus first. And we're going we're gonna to go through these pretty quick. The second one is this, and it sounds like counterintuitive to Jesus first for a lot of kids, but this is the second one. Have fun. Have fun. This sounds similar to our uh, our mission statement of our church, we love Jesus, we have fun, we are family. We had fun growing up. My dad was a pastor for 40 years, and my mom and dad, and um, I was a pastor's kid, and often they say that, um, well, then they don't come back to church because they didn't like church, and so they, they leave Jesus. And I never found that. We always had fun at church. We had mud volleyball games and movie nights, and our movie nights were, we were talking about the other night, were different than our men's night movie night. We had to use a, one of those old projectors, and they had to rent them, and they, it was a lot of work to have a movie night at church. And although the movies were scary, they were about the rapture and scared me into going to heaven, it was, we had, we had some fun nights at church, and every year we had a vacation. Every, every year we made sure to fit in a vacation. I know they did, probably didn't make that much being pastors, but we always went somewhere, and I remember one year we went to Miami. We were going to the Florida Keys, and our, on our way to the Florida Keys, there was a hurricane, and they closed the Florida Keys, and you could think, this is going to be a disaster. We're, gonna, we're, we're going to museums all day because you can't go to the beach because the beach had, like, washed up whales and sharks and all kinds of stuff on it, and um, we had a great vacation even that year. We learned to have fun. Number three, family is everything. Now, obviously, Jesus is everything, but family is everything as well. If you are here today and you are questioning how important your family is to you or how mad you are at your family or how little time you spent with them lately, remind yourself of this. 
family is so important. Your family here at church is important, but you're also your immediate family, your extended family. You keep relationship with them because you know what? They're going to be around every holiday, whether you like it or not. My dad always had time for us. He was very busy. Um, I played a lot of sports, obviously, <laughs> as you can notice. <laughs> I played, uh, played a lot of football. I really did. I played football all the way up till my freshman year till I was the smallest kid on the team. But, um, but he was always at my football games. We would sometimes on Sunday, they'd have to rush out of church, go to, we lived in Missouri, go to Illinois to my games because I was on a traveling team because I was pretty good, okay? <laughs> And um, yes, family is very important. We had lots of lunches together at Lion's Choice. It was some good times. He always had time. Number four, giving is a way of life. Oh, I see what you're doing here. You're kind of weaving it into the church. Yes, it's true. My dad, my parents were always givers. Every Sunday, I remember, I watched her write this check, and I was always like, what this... What are you writing a check to the church for? We go here. We live here. We're like, we're, like, this is, the, the, you're, aren't you going to just get this money right back? They always, they always tithe, and they taught me to tithe 10% of my income. Even when I was mowing the lawn at $5 for, for the whole lawn, I would have to bring my 50 cents and, and put it in the offering. Um, not in a negative legalistic way, but in, in a way of realizing that we give we're generous, and we, we, if we want anything to be given back to us, we need to be generous with our lives. And I will take this moment right here to add to this, that if you've made this your church home, know that generosity is who we are. We never worry about money. You'll never hear Cynthia and I talking about our church's finances like, oh, my gosh. Now, the first three months, we were, like, counting the days until it was over with here, but... But we, we, we we're past those days, and um, no one laughed at that. But it it was it's funny, but it was true. So I guess you shouldn't have laughed at that. But um, um, we steward our money wisely here. You can know that. You can know that this is good soil to sow into because we take good care of our resources here. We we're we're meeting in a basement for crying out loud, and it looks every single week I hear someone say, "Wow, this place great." This place is great, and it's because we, we took care of it, and we have some good people in our church that know how to make it look nice with, with a little money. So um, there you go. Number five, church was always, I have 25 to go through. Okay, just kidding. I'm almost finished, almost finished. Church was always a non-negotiable for us. Um, my kids, I have kids, I have four kids. And sometimes they don't want to go to church. And you'd see right now they might not be in here, but they're always here. They're probably serving in another area. I see my son, Riley. He's not serving. He's just standing back there. He's probably watching Jaden for us. We appreciate that. But church is always a non-negotiable, isn't it, Riley? We, you don't have a choice. And the reason we think that is not because, oh, we're going to cram Jesus down your throat. You need Jesus in your life or you're going to go to hell. We don't tell them that. No. We know that... It will always come back to you when you invest in spending time in the Father's house. You will never regret it. And when your kids are wondering, and I understand there's all kinds of situations in the room, but when your kids are young and, and they're giving you trouble, stand strong on it because they need the fellowship 
We all need, we all need, not just your kids. You can put yourself in this boat too. We all need the accountability. We all need the, like, I, I call it like uh, God gym time. Like you're in the gym, you go to the gym, you get, you weight lift like I do quite often. Um, you come here to weight lift with God. Like you, you get your little shot in the arm so that you can make it uh, through two days of, of, of this world that we live in. It's important. Um, there were times we got, because we, we were there all the time. We were at church Sunday, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Tuesday night prayer. Sometimes they had adult cantata practice, and we had kids choir practice every Saturday, and then we'd start all back over again. And I was there a lot, but I, I loved church. I got into trouble a lot too, but I, but I loved church. I, the, 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 probably one of the most, besides wrecking their car while they were in cantata practice when I was 10, um, was um, after the Good Friday service one time, my brother and I thought there was hardly anyone there that night, so we decided to drink all the juice that was left from the, from the, from the communion, and they didn't like that. They thought that was a bad thing. I don't do that anymore. Another thing my dad taught me that helped build a foundation in my life was this, and I hope that you see this in me, and it was this, to be a worshiper to be a worshiper with my life outside of church, but especially when I'm here at church, to be a worshiper. My dad played the piano every week, and I assume he was good. I think he was good. It was before we had nights of worship, you know, where you did, and it was our Wednesday night service. It was a prayer night, and we just worship. And I, I, there, I don't know how many people were in the room, but you would just get lost as a little kid. At 12 years old, I was getting lost in God's house worshiping worshiping we'd go through 20 courses just go you know this those courses were all pretty short so you'd praise the name of jesus and then go right into on christ the solid rock and you just go through them you just go th and um and he always made room for the holy spirit we never rushed the presence of god and and he taught taught me that in my life and let this be uh probably the the key to um an atmosphere of worship so never, or be careful, never grieve the Holy Spirit and just be a worshiper. Be a worshiper with your life. When you leave this place, if Bethany's not following you down the highway or the 25 going to church, going to work, you don't need Bethany right there leading you in worship. You be a worshiper right there in your car. And God's presence will show up. I was going to skip this one because we're, uh, we're getting close for time, but I got to just really quickly. He taught me to raise up the next generation. I never felt secondary at church. I always felt like I was a part of the church as a teenager. Um, we never were able to hire, I don't think, a full-time, maybe we were for a while, a youth pastor. But I always, we always had a great youth group. We always had a bunch of kids, and we always did all kinds of fun stuff. And we, and. The, the next generation was probably more important to him than, <laughs> than this generation, and that's good. And I, I would tell you right now that that's, that's how I feel too. <laughs> you guys, some of you adults are like, too late. You know, it's just too late, right? <laughs> Do you look at yourself like, oh, just don't even try with me. Just help my kid, right? Um, I'm being very candid and open with you today. I, didn't, didn't, uh, I usually write out exactly how I, how I talk, and I just wrote out some bullet points today. Um, but that they, that th this generation, this next generation would see that um, 
each of us and not have reason, not have excuses to walk away from Jesus. I think I said this earlier. But they would have more reasons just by looking at all of us, even if they're not your kids, that they would look at us, they would have reasons to serve Jesus and to serve him more faithfully. That's what I hope for our church. The kids wouldn't come here and say, oh, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. I never want to be like that person, boring, sad, not joyful. I don't want this Jesus. I want them to see Jesus when Jesus shows up, but also see Jesus through us, right? And that's the way we'll raise up this next generation. Um, this one I cannot skip. He, I have one more after this. Um, he taught me to, um, this is really important, write this one down, okay. I'm joking, but write it down, okay, Seth. He taught me to love baseball. Baseball is very important in our, in our family. There was a day every year at St. or every week in St. Louis where, where we grew up where the Cardinals would have a, clear, uh, a press day where the press pay, pay $1 for the game. And in the Midwest back in the day, they used to honor like people, like clergy people. So clergy were also press at that day. So we could go to every Tuesday to the game for $1. And we went quite often. I wrote a book, short book, but it's called What's Extraordinary About Being Ordinary. And I dedicated an entire chapter in there to, to our stories of going to the, the ballpark doing that. Um, could could uh, my brother Nate, would you come up, brother? I told you I was going to keep it short and sweet today, but I want to give you a couple of challenges. Still with me? Everybody still with me? As we close, oh, the last one, the last one is this. He modeled to me, and then there's a whole bunch of things right here. I just put them all into one. He modeled to me the character of God, character of the Father. Often our fathers don't model the character of the Father. When I talk to teenagers often, and back in the past, I would say, well, Father God loves you, and they would, it would mean nothing to them because they, all they thought of, as a, of a, in, their, in their life was the Father is a bad word. They would look at that they would look at movies and they would think the Father God is like this guy up here with a lightning bolt just looking for someone to mess up. Just looking for someone to cut, catch them doing something wrong. And let me tell you, our Father God is not like that. And this is the character that my dad taught me. He taught me humility. This is what our Father God is to us. Grace. Your Father is gracious to you. He gives you what you don't deserve and he's merciful and he doesn't give you what you do deserve. Our God is full of peace. Our God is full of love and full of self-control. I never saw my dad get angry, although I'm sure he did. But our father, God never gets angry, never gets mad at you. I don't understand how he could not be like, even to, even to brother Ron, couldn't you see that, wouldn't you think God would get mad at you sometimes for some of the things that you might have, may, may have done? He never got mad at you once. Not once, because our God doesn't get angry. Our God is slow to anger. And our God is never too busy for us. I want to ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to do some business with the Father. And if you're here today and your relationship with your dad was not as close as you'd like it to be, know that your Heavenly Father is always there for you. But that he would probably, because he asks us to do the hard things, he asks us to be like his son, Jesus. So he might ask you to reach out 
or maybe just let go, maybe release, maybe surrender some of those thoughts that you might have. And you could say, well, let's not take the time right now. I don't know how many in the room have that to deal with, but it's worth it that we take the time right now because some of you need to release some things. Maybe your dads are gone. You're not even able to call them or talk to them. But I bet you, I bet you if you have the opportunity, because the Holy Spirit is on this, he might give you the words to say. I'm going to close with the prayer, but before we do, would you lead us in I Surrender All? Um, you'll have to transition your whatever chord you're in there. But um, let this kind of be your prep prayer to say, hey, whatever those things are that are going on, do I need to do I need to make a phone call today? Do I need to write a letter? Do I need to send a text? Do I need to make an email? Or do I just need to get it right in myself? Because maybe I can't do anything now because my dad's not here anymore. But I can make it right. And God, you'll bring me peace. Let's just, just listen to what the Holy Spirit might say. All to Jesus. God wants to bring healing to relationships with fathers, however that looks. Do you need to forgive? Do you need to release? Do you need to move on? Say, I love you. Give him a call. If you're a dad and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit today and what he's calling you to do for your relationship towards your son or daughter, would you please be obedient to that this week? Be obedient to that today. What a great way to celebrate Father's Day than to do that and carry out what he might be asking you to do. Would you bow your heads with me? I wrote down a prayer that I would like us just to pray together and I'll say it and you just kind of agree with it. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for your love. We have a relationship with you because your son Jesus went to the cross. And we want to say how thankful we are because we understand that wherever we come from doesn't have to define us. And we declare to you, do you agree with me on this? Our Heavenly Father, you are our ultimate founder, author, and foundation. Help us to keep you in that place in our life as our author, as our founder, and as our foundation. And all God's children said amen. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. 
Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.